Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. He's just cleaned his penis with a willy brush. Will you please welcome Richard Herring? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. A reference to the pre-show banter there for the people at home. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahelastapur. Oh, whack at that. It's like they've been primed. It's amazing. Uh, we've got a fantastic guest, Adam Buxton, uh, coming up. Um, but first, I will attempt some um, stand-up. It's not as good as the stuff I just did. Uh, I will mention that, uh, that I asked last week uh, for people to send in essays about the uh, the Mick Jagger, Dave, uh, Frankie Boyle, Dave Gorman's Ringo Starr conundrum that was discussed at length. Uh, I only got one essay uh, from Raoul Siegel. Uh, which may not be his real name. Uh, it's a poor effort. Uh, it's only two sides of A4 long. I would have given it maybe D minus. Uh, but as it's the only entry, here's one. He doesn't give his address, so he hasn't won anything. Uh, but my favourite thing about it is that he, all the way through, he refers to Mick Jagger as Muck Jagger, uh, as if he's a Scottish man. The people here knew about that already, which is why it didn't get as big a laugh as you were expecting. <laughs> Uh, I only thought that's funnier than the people in Leicester Square Theatre. I've read the whole thing out. We might put that out as an extra podcast for you uh, uh, because it's a very interesting uh, prognosis. Uh, Lord McAlpine is in the news. He is not a paedophile. He's the non the non paedophile. He's uh, unusual amongst conservative politicians in that he has decided to sue people who've got... That's why, that's unusual. Uh, he's decided to sue people uh, who've, who've, who've tweeted about him. Um, I think in a fair enough way, because I think if you do... It's all right, it's one thing joking around on Twitter and making a joke or in a podcast, but to just... <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing, that is fine. But just to state openly that someone is, is a, a guilty of a terrible crime is what is one thing. But he's, he's, um, he's a terrible thing. But he's, uh, he's going to sue anyone who's tweeted, apparently, this is what he's planning on doing, for £5. So if you tweet tweeted or retweeted that he will sue you and you'll have to give five pounds uh, to a children's charity and it's nice to see that a non-paedophile can do charity work that is that is that makes me feel a lot better so lord McAlpine is doing some great work for people who just do charity work because they're nice people they don't want to they don't even want to fuck kids they just they're just doing it because they think let's give some money to disadvantaged people that's a nice thing to do but five pounds i think is quite good value for for libeling someone, don't you? I mean, that's, that's not that's not so bad. In fact, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking, you know, which Tory MP do I want to falsely accuse of being a paedophile now? And I just thought, well, actually, five pounds. I mean, I could do all of the Tory MPs. I'm just going to say all Tory MPs are paedophiles. That's my plan. Um, I'm happy to pay five quid. That'll be about two thousand five hundred quid. Uh, but the thing is, some of them probably are paedophiles, so they won't they won't be able to sue me back. So it's not even, a, in a sense, um, if you think about it, the people who don't sue me are sort of saying that they are paedophiles, so it's a good way of flushing them out. It's, this is the way to find the real one. So if any, let's say all of the MPs, let's make it fair, because I don't really trust the Liberals uh, anymore. So uh, let's say all MPs are, are paedophiles, that's 650 people who can sue me. Any of them don't sue me for five pounds. Well, we know now. That's, we've, done a, we've done a useful service. Uh, my wife was away on Saturday night, so I've been kind of had, I was on my own, single man again, on a Saturday night. So what I did, I did the things that I'm not allowed to do when my wife is around. I sat in my pants watching The Coldest Story, the 1960s film, eating pickled onions. And that was, 
It was amazing. I'm not allowed to eat them. She doesn't mind me eating pickled onions. It's just these particular ones I eat really make me fart badly. So really, I mean really badly. I did a fart in the night that... It was a kind of a Dutch oven affair, but it was actually woke us both up the last time I ate these. But annoyingly, I didn't, this time I didn't get that. I just saw so I ate the pickled onions and I was kind of looking forward to luxuriating the night in, in my, and it's a smell, you know, sometimes when your farts disgust yourself, but you're still quite proud of them. Didn't get it. In fact, I started, it's like my body knew, because when my wife returned, I started getting a bit flatulent again. It's like my body, no, so uh, that was fun. That was a fun way uh, to spend the night. And, uh, oh, of course, we've had um, other news, other paedophile, and uh, no, not paedophile news. Uh, other uh, celebrities in trouble news. We've had Justin Lee Collins, Dave Lee Travis, Jamie Lee Curtis is shitting herself. I'm telling you, that's the anyone with Lee in their name. I think you should watch out for that. Is that's that's all I'm saying. They might start wanking you off with the ventriloquist dummy. They don't... They mean shoot you if you're the president. Just, just watch out for them. It's the middle name da- guaranteed. Guaranteed that something's going on. Neither of those people have just... I mean, Dave Lee Travis, he's only alleged to have touched up some women. He's made it very clear <laughs> that that's right. He would never do that other thing, and he hasn't done that either. That is his defence, which is a good defence. I, I want to make it clear I would never do that, and I didn't do the thing they said either. <laughs> um, Maybe I'll edit that out. So, um, and, uh, I've really started worrying. I actually listen, I hate listening back to these podcasts because I, I, I think I'm an idiot and I really, it annoys me the way I laugh at stuff and I think, oh, I just think, I'm, I don't understand why any of you like me, like me, you are idiots, but thank you for liking me. Uh, but I listened back uh, to the Adam Buxton show I did at the Edinburgh Fringe and I said some, I mean, it was the end of the Edinburgh Fringe, I was a bit kind of loose-tongued. I said some terrible things and now this has happened, I'm starting to think, God, retrospectively, I'm in all kinds of trouble, so, uh, ah, fuck it. Uh, uh, But the best advice I can give um, to any perspective, uh, and I did say this about uh, in the last podcast, but before it went out, I think, uh, I think David Mitchell treated me the best in in the interview. I think the way you have to be interviewed by me is to treat me as if I'm a quite intelligent five-year-old child. That is... I think that is, and that's what he did. And so you kind of answer the questions as they're put to you. Uh, not like, you know, not like a six, not a six-year-old, an intelligent five-year-old. That is, that is why I'm... Oh, the other thing I've got is, um, we'll give this a little go. I haven't really planned this, but um, I've got a new iPhone. I've got the iPhone 5. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, and so it means that for the first time ever, I have uh, Siri which uh, I've never had before, the, uh, the kind of assist, this robot assistant. You like this old box, robot man, robo-box. Uh, this is incredible. So you can ask it questions and then it will do. I'm actually talking to it now, so it's better. Uh, but I, this is the fir- one of the first things I said is, uh, when is Talking Cock on in London? It's Monday. Oh. No, that's the wrong. That's, he says it's Monday, 19th November 2012 in London. That's the today's date. He's let us down. When is Talking Cock on in London? It's Monday. Oh. <laughs> You've tricked me, Siri, because every other time I've done this to you, it's like you know where we are. When is Talking Cock on? I can't find any events about talking cockram, Richard. Like, it usually chastises me for being rude, and now it's made what I've said much ruder than it was. Talking cock is fine, talking cockram. 
like some terrible forced sex show I'm doing. You're a stupid fucker, Siri. Well, I'm still here for you. I just like the idea that someone has programmed, it hasn't done it, because typically now, but when he was sort of telling me off for swearing, um, and uh, someone sat in an office like you, kind of thinking, what's the every swear word we have to put this in? I'm, I'm going to ask it this, see what happens. Siri, if you had to have a ham hand or an armpit that dispensed sun cream, which would you choose? You didn't even get the whole question, is it? I'm going to give it one more try. There's a very funny uh, video of Mark Larwood doing much better with, uh, with the Siri that you must uh, Google and check out. It's a shame he's done that, because uh, this just looks weak by comparison. <laughs> Which is better, a ham hand or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? It's like on stage, he gets a little bit more confidence. It's like I'll do it on the night, Siri. That's how he. When I've done that at home, no interest at all. Anyway, look, we're going to crack on uh, with the actual podcast. Uh, it is delight to, to uh, have uh, this guest on. You will probably best know him best. He was Barry in uh, Randall and Hopkirk deceased. The the remake. We'll be talking about that. He gets to ask about that all the time. We're going to get that out of the way very quickly. Will you please welcome Adam Buxton, ladies and gentlemen? Adam Buxton, he's gone to the toilet. <laughs> there you go. Oh, you know, that's, you can, you've got a microphone there. He's brought his own microphone on. That's how confident he is. Hooray, he's got a beer. He's drinking beer. Hello, Adam. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> you got your coat on? got my coat on. You won't yeah. feel the benefit of that outside now. I'm ready, ready in case things go badly. I'm g- Don't, what are you doing? Why are you filming me? <laughs> That's Mary Jane, I know everyone. I'm just joking, Mary. You can film, film the heck out of this thing. You can film right? me if you want, we don't Because it's going to be amazing, it's going to be an amazing film. When will you watch it back though? <laughs> Guys, uh, so Tuesday, come over, because I filmed the whole of this podcast. <laughs> from the front it's great we're going to watch it What? don't talk during the filming of the podcast on my iPhone it's my favourite film it's great it's not in surround or anything like that but it's, it's wonderful I'm going to burn it off to DVDs and distribute it to all my friends slightly unusual angle just one camera angle two men talking for could be 90, 100 minutes you we know, might push through to 120 today. that's what it's like though out in the world of illegal downloading <laughs> People think nothing of that kind of... Yeah, they'll happily download Prometheus with people just getting up, <laughs> wandering around. The sound sounds as if it's... Like that. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Let's, uh, let's you know, spunk some bandwidth. Is that a cool, is that a cool thing to say? It promotes, ter- it promotes terrorism, though, somehow, doesn't it, these DVDs? The terrorists yeah. don't work very hard on... They yeah. should work a bit harder on producing good quality DVD copies, I think, then they exactly. would make more money. Yeah, exactly. And then they would be indistinguishable from the, uh, the sell-through ones. What would that do? That would plunge the world into confusion. And um, probably destroy the economy of the West. 
Yeah, there is that. I don't really care that much, though. I, I sometimes, my policy, have you ever illegally downloaded anything? Uh, yes. Um, I no, think... you don't do it with any of my stuff. Well, you see, I, I, I disagree. I, I strongly promote the illegal downloading of anything that I've ever been involved with. Right. I, because I don't make any money from it anyway. <laughs> so I couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> I think people are very welcome. I'm sort of flattered and delighted if anyone would spend any amount of time trying to download anything that I'd ever done. The only thing that I think is commercially available that I've done is the Adam and Joe DVD, which was a, you know, sort of a compilation, not even the whole set of the series, series that we've done on Channel 4. I'm the king of grammar. <laughs> My wife has a copy of this DVD. Right. I, yeah, I never really I watched mean, it when you were on. I'm very proud of it. I, I, I should probably have watched it. I've watched a bit of it. Because I, yeah. well, I was interviewing you, I probably should have watched all of it. I Don't worry about it. Be, I mean, we spent bothered. a lot of time. It's, it's, it's a beautiful object. Yeah. And we, we agonised and worried about every aspect of it visually and uh, designed it all ourselves and were twattish about it. So I, I think, you know, people are probably uh, well advised to go and buy that actual thing, you know. <laughs> but if they want to see it really badly and just download bits of it, fine, I'm not yeah. fussed. I think, it always, I think it means you become a fan. I mean, I download Breaking Bad, like the current ones you can't get. But right. then I will buy that when it comes out. Yeah, exactly. So. I've done that same kind of thing myself. In another life. I wouldn't admit to it. <laughs> I mean, I've imagined doing it. <laughs> Careful, you can get sued for anything now. Well, let's quickly get out of the way, because you'll be asked about this all the time. Yeah. What, how was it being Barry in Randall and Hopkirk? This <laughs> season? It the was. The 2001 ma- remake of uh, the... It was very nerve-wracking. I like to fall at hurdles. Yeah. Uh, that would be my Indian name. If I, <laughs> if I had, like, a Native American Indian name, it would be falls at hurdles. <laughs> Because I, I never rise to any challenge whatsoever, and any time I get an opportunity or I'm in an exciting environment, yeah. I fuck it up. <laughs> and I underwhelm. And that was one of my first acting jobs, you know, and I've, uh, I've always liked the idea of being an actor and always wanted mm. to, to act, you know. And I've intermittently got these little opportunities, and that was one of the very first, thanks to Charlie Higson, who was yeah. uh, writing and directing that show, I think. So I was really excited about it, and then uh, turned up, and you know, Vic and Bob are there, all my heroes in one place at the same time. I didn't have much to do. I think all, all I had to do was go up some stairs, I think, in Revenge of the Bog People. Uh, I was a security guard, and um, very, you know, just went up the stairs. Charlie Higson sort of said, do you want to do anything else? Have you got any other kind of stuff you want to do to make it more funny or anything? Nah. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm fine. I, I literally, I couldn't think of anything. Because I didn't feel as if I was in a position to unveil some amazing shtick. You know what I mean? You could have tripped on every single step. Yeah. <laughs> in the back of us. Just every single time. Move, That's move right. Or, or my trousers would gradually fall down. <laughs> revealing my genitals by the top of the staircase. What about that, Charlie? Yeah, it's not really... <laughs> Right for the the <laughs> slot that we have, but thanks. I, d- I you know I sort of felt confused by why I was there in the first place, really, and just overawed by uh, Vic and Bob. And I had a conversation with Vic Reeves uh, in his caravan about cheese. Oh. And it seemed to me that I was actually in some sort of weird sketch <laughs> with him uh, talking about. Um, uh, uh, cheese and also what was the other thing that he's a real expert in 
is kind of a blood sausage or something like that. Right. You know, so he's talking about like your, your favourite kind of cheese and I was thinking, wow, he's really like that. This is, <laughs> this is the actual stuff he talks about and I kept on expecting him to suddenly talk about something normal, but he didn't. It's one of my emergency questions, that. Yeah. What, what is your favourite type of cheese? Well, we I love you know. cheese, yeah, love yeah. cheese. Yeah. So I, I, that was the other thing, was I couldn't really partake of the conversation. It was just like, shit, I hate cheese. <laughs> If you had to eat one of them, though, <laughs> which one would you eat? Uh, I suppose Primula. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are nice. You should give them a go. Really? I like all the of the best. cheeses. Well, the che- cheese is like uh, uh, the stench of death. <laughs> Feet and death. Well, the really smelly ones can be. If you don't yeah, like the smell, cheese... some are very bland. Yeah, but there are, it's either very much the smell of feet and death, or it's yeah. just a little bit the smell. <laughs> not too bad. Yeah, it's like, he's just died. Yeah. <laughs> it's not too guess, bad yet. Oh, I... he's just taken his socks off. He's only been uh, to the shops. <laughs> it's not too bad. Yeah, that's fine. It's either that, or it's like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's the walking dead! I'm from Cheddar, so I find this anti-cheese talk very upsetting. Sorry. We are the be- that is the best cheese in the world, Cheddar. Is it? Yeah. Uh, is this something... I mean, do you eat a lot of cheese? Because, I mean, cheese is one of the few things that isn't good for you that I don't really... <laughs> I don't, I don't eat very much because it's not very good for me. Yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've kind of given up eating. I have an, do you eat pizza, though, right? No, I don't, you see. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the God, only kind of... stuff. I, but I, I, I straight envy. in with the learning the things about yeah. says a lot about you this that you don't need no I have I, I, I'm so envious of people who do eat pizza because I can see that it's clearly like it's one really of the great nice. things in the world there's no smell of death on it though. it's just nice it's all melty and, mm. Mm. Yeah, well sometimes I've gone and uh, tried to join in gone to a pizza restaurant yeah. and uh, ended up just getting like some dough with a couple of uh, anchovies yeah. on and some tomato sauce yeah. and tried to join in with all that. <laughs> it's not the same. It's, not the same. it's weird because the sandwich is the same thing and you could have a sandwich without cheese in it, but a pizza without cheese doesn't work. No. Weird, isn't it? Because it is just, if you think about it, it's just a sandwich they've flattened out. Pizza without cheese is like the doors without Jim Morrison. <laughs> or... Uh, Adam and Joe with no Joe and just... Oh. <laughs> you're both cheesy. Um, <laughs> let's face it. No, you have done, well, you've done a lot of acting. You've done some films and stuff. You've been in the work jump ahead to that. You I had co- one, one year when I got cast in three films. Like proper big... Like uh, yeah. Stardust was like a big film, wasn't St- uh, it? You know what? I've got a story about Stardust, but I'm not sure if I should tell it. Um, because it's... <laughs> I really shouldn't. Is it about Lord McAlpine raping you when you were a child? Because <laughs> don't tell, don't tell, don't tell that story Lord unless you can back it up. Lord McAlpine. And if I've shown you a photo and go, and then that's Lord McAlpine, they go, no, it's a diff- it was a different guy. You showed me the photo. Someone who looked very much like Lord McAlpine <laughs> visited the set. No, this is a good uh, way of making sure this story doesn't make it. <laughs> ah, fuck it, we'll put it out. Uh, you can tell if you like, and then we can decide later if you want to put it onto the, uh, onto the internet. But well, these people will listen to it, and probably some of them are recording it. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> Mike, St- Mike Stone is at the front. Yeah. Condensed version was that I, uh, I, I sort of blogged about it. I, was just get, I had a blog at the time. And I, I was, you know, I, I thought I was just being uh, candid and fun about my experience on the thing and sort of, like, teased Matthew Vaughan about uh, some of the films that he'd made mm. on, on this blog. Uh, about, um, what's it called? Uh, the one with Madonna in it. 
Uh, not good on Matthew, is it? Swept, swept away. away Thanks very much. And only because he had been, you know, joking about it himself on the, on the set. But then he read the blog no. that I did and he got quite upset. Oh, no. And uh, it was fairly clear thereafter that I would never, ever get a part in any Matthew Vaughan film ever again. And probably not any other uh, yeah. film. And sure enough, the phone uh, was <laughs> incredibly quiet for, for many years after that. But luckily... I got a part in The Persuasionists, uh, which was an amazing, amazing uh, BBC sitcom. You guys know that, yeah. Come on. All about the advertising industry. Turn the advertising industry on its head. It's never really recovered from the lambasting it got from The Persuasionists. And so uh, everything was fine thereafter. uh, Completely. The Persuasionists was good. You know how you could have improved it? What you should have done? (laughs) You should have have put a Shrek in it. You'd had a Shrek in it, but this is the additional thing that would have really made it work. The Shrek would be played by Tim from The Office. <laughs> Not the actor, the character. <laughs> be played by Tim from The Office as a Shrek. Just, and he'd be probably not do just wander around the back. It'd be the same sitcom. Yeah. In fact, I would quite like you to remake it frame for frame. But try my not just put this superimposer in the background. Who would he be replacing? No, he'd be just an extra. He so if you, yeah. My belief is if you put a Shrek in anything, not the Shrek, a Shrek. A Shrek. Into anything, it will make it a hit. Uh, I, I, I refer you to Shrek the Musical. Should be called a Shrek the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> that has a Shrek in it. An Shrek. Ex- an example of a Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. Shrek, the movie Shrek. Yeah. Shrek 2. They both have Shreks in them. Very yeah. successful. <laughs> but if you put a Shrek in it, yeah. people, love a sh- people love Shrek. And, and Shreks in general. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. have to even look that much like the original Shrek, just as it's recognisably a Shrek. But it would also have to look... <laughs> It would also have to be recognisably Tim from The Office as well. Yeah. <laughs> I th- well, that confuses things, though, doesn't it? It's just, I think that's because the... You don't want to dilute it, the, sh- it's the not, Shrek. It's doubling, it's doubling the strength, because I think if you put Tim from The Office in The Persuasionist, yeah. that would have made it a lot better. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> if you put the entire cast of The Office in The Persuasionist yeah. and then rewritten it using the words from The Office... <laughs> It probably would have improved it, to be yeah. honest. But, I mean, hard to do, though, because it was a very good show, in it, uh, and uh, <laughs> we, did, we did exactly what we set out to do, <laughs> which, was, which was to fuck with people's minds. <laughs> yeah? But it's all very arbitrary, I think, isn't it? These things get... You get, you get judged after one episode, and then that's kind of... You know what? It was the... one of those things that, that when, when we were making it, None of us really knew. Like, people always ask, did you know when you were making it what you were making? <laughs> and I have to say, no. <laughs> None of us really knew the impact it was going to have. And uh, I guess looking back on it, it felt special. Sure, it felt special, but none of us really knew how, how, what an impact it was going to have on, on each one of our careers. <laughs> we couldn't have known. You know, it's only in retrospect that you know these things. <laughs> <laughs> but people are still talking about it, even if it's mainly you. I don't get too many... Yeah, it's mainly me. <laughs> it's mainly me. But it doesn't matter, does it? Because then you've gone on to... And then that is... Fr- in a way, it's like a, it's like a spinal tap moment. 
you should envy yourself because then you've gone on to kind of do your own stuff with the with the bug and yeah I mean you know uh, to be serious though uh, yeah, you know you serious. have moments where you well you just sort of try everything really don't you I mean you can it'd be a bit pointless to be uh, you know I haven't got a master plan I haven't got one thing that I'm so amazing at that I've got to stick to that and hone that and only do that and anything away from the plan is going to fuck up the impact of that amazing thing that I do you know I'm just trying out lots of things and and trying to uh, see which one of them works and which one of them doesn't but you've done because I was watching loads of stuff today actually you know and because uh, that's the kind of guy I am I prepare sure. uh, and yeah there's an amazing variety of stuff like over the whole 20 years you've been working 20 odd years I suppose is it? nearly 20 years nearly 20 years and it, you know you have jumped around from films and and then just music videos I saw um, I don't know how you pronounce the name of the band Wanna dies or wanna dies? Oh yeah, the wanna dies. Yeah, wanna dies. That's they, that, they would like to die. <laughs> yeah, what they wanna die. Yeah. Um, the, the, you get a chance to check out. I've never seen this before, but it's on your on your website, isn't it? It's, mm. it's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, you did. Uh, do you like that one? With, really, with me on stilts. Yeah, you're on stilts with big furry boots, right. so you look like you're gigantic. And I have a uh, just a waistcoat on, so my my <laughs> hairy belly is exposed. <laughs> and one piece of hair sort of sticking up in the air, so you're like some kind of. <laughs> Yeah, a French dancer or something, expressionist right. dance. But it, you would think, well, if you got given that as a script, to go a man, a small man, on stilts that look like furry shoes, <laughs> just dances around for yeah. four minutes. That was Garth Jennings who directed yeah. that, and um, so he suggested that we do something because I kept on saying, like, you know, because I know lots of uh, directors, and I'm always trying to get in there work somehow yeah. <laughs> um, one, one particular director has been particularly resistant to my efforts <laughs> Joe fucking Cornish yeah it's annoying uh, <laughs> I mean you know obviously he gave me the part of a voiceover <laughs> of a nature documentary in the back of the scene of his debut feature but Garth has I mean when Garth got the job of uh, like he directed his, his uh, debut film was uh, the adaptation of Hitchhikers mm-hmm. took my advice put Tim from the office in it didn't there you it? go <laughs> and it needed a, it need, he should have been a Shrek as well then it would have been okay and maybe he, he yeah he should have had some more Shreks and more Shreks he made was... the mistake of putting that's my I, did, I didn't enjoy this film I don't want to upset you if he's your friend no listen he, uh, he's well aware of the critical reception yeah. it it's got. a hard thing to do right because yeah. it's a much loved idea and he's, but the, my least favourite thing in that which should work by my own logic was when he put a Marvin from the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the in Guys in the queue he put right. in the queue but then he had Tim from the office do his Tim from the office thing where he sort of did a double take at the at the robot yes and I just thought that blows everything. A, yeah. It might have been a funny little joke to have in the background, but and then all the rest of the film. Where was also were shit. you? <laughs> Where the hell were you? I should, should have been in there. Go make it a Shrek, and then Tim from the office looks at the Shrek. But I might have even predated Shrek. Man, that would have really blown people's minds. I mean, I, I've told this story before on the on the radio, but I auditioned for uh, the part that Tim from the office oh, did he? got. Yeah, and that was one of my. Um, horrific audition stories that basically ended with me I'll, I'll, I'll sort of uh, do a short version do a long version honestly well basically I, I, you know I'd been bothering Garth so much about it you know and teasing him and saying hey man you know you're doing this big Hollywood film and uh, this is exciting uh, please can I have a part 
you, you know, ha ha ha, please can I have a pot? <laughs> please, please, ha ha ha, can I have a pot? <laughs> and so he would go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then I'd go, hey, seriously, man, can I have a pot? <laughs> and then, you know, thinking that maybe voice of a Vogon, something like that. Yeah. And uh, that would have been great. And then he says, um, yeah, li- listen, come in and audition for, um, you know, uh, Arthur Dent. And uh, so I said, yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So I thought, I'll throw myself into this and um, went to the audition and uh, Susie Figgis was the casting director. Oh, She's yeah. quite a well-known casting director, powerful lady. And so she's an imposing presence anyway. And so she was there, and I was very nervous, and, and there was Garth, and he's very upbeat and smiley Garth. And uh, so I'd learnt all my, uh, you know, my scene that I was going to do, but then I thought, to make it even better, what I'll do is I'll wear a bathrobe, mm-hmm. like uh, Arthur Dent does, yeah. right? And so just before the audition started, I sort of went, oh, I said, oh, just before we get going, I'll just... Uh, <laughs> I'm something in my bag here. Yeah, I, I imagine this is the kind of thing that Benedict Cumberbatch would say. <laughs> Did you think they might go, well, he's got his own bathroom. That will save us for four pounds. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking that they would think that, and not only that, but look at the level of commitment on this guy. He's come totally armed and prepared. He's taking this thing seriously. I've never seen anything like this before. Usually stars are so jaded they expect everything done for them. This is charming to bring along a, to bring along a bathrobe. So I produced the bathrobe, and I, as I'm producing it from my bag, I can see this is a fucking awful idea. <laughs> and I can see the colour draining from Garth's face. <laughs> And uh, although he insists now that that, that that was not the case. But uh, I could certainly see Susie Figgis getting rather appalled. And so I, do, I put the bathrobe on, uh, do a very lacklustre reading um, for Arthur Dent. And, uh, and then I sort of, I'm kind of embarrassed and I'm putting the bathrobe away and I'm like, oh, so probably I shouldn't have used the bathrobe, I suppose. <laughs> trying, to, you know, trying to make light of it with a kind of... Uh, office style voice and uh, and she said well put it this way if you'd done that in Hollywood you'd never work again <laughs> uh, especially, if, especially especially if you weren't auditioning for the part of Arthur Dent if you kind of went in yeah for Darth Vader or something <laughs> just similarly yeah in a way, Arthur Dent was the perfect character to try that for, but if you... You would think, yeah. <laughs> if you went in... Uh, Ridley, um, before I... <laughs> I've got this thing that I like to do before an audition. <laughs> I hope you don't mind if I uh, just pop on my bathroom. <laughs> I think that's awful. If that, I think that's a nice thing to do. We, we, when I did uh, my last TV thing, where you can choose your friends, which is a dr- drama um, my, basically based around my family, yeah. uh, my own family, not... I mean, it would be amazing to do a drama of my family, the Robert Lindsay thing, just play, you know, and actually do a serious drama of that where just terrible things happen to them. <laughs> but uh, one of the lads who came on audition, kind of, it was meant to be a breakfast scene he was reading, he kind of got out of his bag, he got like a box of cornflakes and a bowl, and we thought it was rather nice, and he got the part. 
Yeah, so there you go. So you'd have worked with me again if you'd done that. I'd have gone, I'd have said, well, think of the money, the savings. <laughs> and the costume would say, well, we'll need more than one. We'll need like some backup copies of that dressing gown. It might be more to, it might be cheaper to just right. buy some bolt ones rather than use the same one again and again. The hero dressing gown. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of film. But Garth, I mean, I don't like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy so much, his film, but he's done some amazing. I mean, though that video was incredible. Uh, Son of Rambo, that was one of his. Yeah, that well, that's much more in. like what he would actually make if it was up to him. You know, it's like an amazing film. The, the, to, to get such a big adaptation as your debut feature is kind of a poison chalice, yeah, yeah. really. And he, he was very much being watched over by Disney. It's a big studio, <laughs> and they were, uh, you, you know, it's a situation where you're sort of a gun for hire. and Really, it's you know, you, you know you're not an auteur in those uh, situations. You're just a guy that's directing what the studio wants. So yeah. it's it's difficult, but yeah, it hasn't stopped him. And he's working uh, he's working on a new film right now, actually, which I probably shouldn't talk about. But it's it's going to be good. I think it's exciting. Good. I think we need an emergency question quickly because uh, it's, it's gone a bit quiet. Uh, luckily, I've got <laughs> I've got some emergency questions for when this happens. Things that I can just well, ask you. Well, because I tailed off into a, I said something sincere with no yeah. amusing punchline. And, and then there was an agonising two was, second gap. There was. As, as a very professional uh, interviewer, <laughs> a I spotted that. Yeah. I thought, right, I'm gonna. I'll rescue, I won't say anything, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just use my interviewing skills. What I've done is, I, when I interviewed Jonathan Ross, loads of those happened, and I just went, oh, I can't think of anything to say. <laughs> and then, so why did I wrote in the back? Do you like this, but this is um, a Slytherin, Slytherin, because uh, I don't like Harry Potter, so when I went to Harry Potter World with my wife, I bought £18.50, uh, and I'm stuffing it to, in J.K. Rowling's face, yeah. aren't I? Yeah. I like Slytherin because they hate Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your £18.50. Although, the only problem is that you have to explain that every single time you produce the notebook so that people understand pretty, uh, I'm it's pretty ironic. Cool. I'm pretty cool. <laughs> I think it's actually worse to have it in an ironic way. Than yeah. It's more embarrassing that I've bought it in an ironic way than it would be just to go, I really like Slytherin, I enjoy it. Mean, the, the fact is, it is kind of a beautiful notebook. It's really nice. Look, have, feel, the, feel the weight of it in the, look at that. Oh, oh that's mate. why it's nice in it. I've got so many notebooks. I've got more it's, notebooks than I need. It's real metal as <laughs> it's well. Like, the, it's, better the be real fucking gold. Uh, <laughs> white gold. Uh, anyway, look, we'll ask, oh no, it's the wrong way around. They're in the back. So they're always there ready to go. Um, if you had to have sex with an animal, <laughs> if you had to... From the back door question. If you had to, yeah. right? Oh, your kids were going to be... No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In prison somewhere, it, with nice... <laughs> nice James. <laughs> Who looked after them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Are you going to be in prison? With nice that isn't chance. usually part of the with question. With Lord McAlpine. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be with very safe. Nice They'd be very guys. safe with yeah. the, He runs a and b and he's very <laughs> trustworthy. Um, <laughs> if you had to, yeah. what animal would you... You can choose any animal, any particular animal or species of animal, but you have to have sex with one of them and then everything will be fine. All right. A uh, human being is an animal, though, right? Yeah, it does. That doesn't count. That's no. a, you, th okay. you think you found the clever... All right. If that the clever way round. What about some humans that are nearly like... <laughs> I'd allow a so close Neanderthal. To you could have a Neanderthal man. Yeah. 
They're all, all women. <laughs> no, no, I want the man. I want the Neanderthal man. I will answer your question, but who yeah. is, out of interest, do you think the most Neanderthal woman, without being, like, revolting and sexy? I, I would like to preface this question yeah. by saying that I find that kind of woman very attractive. <laughs> Well, but the Neanderthal people uh, oh, are thought to be possibly more intelligent than, uh, than Homo sapiens in any case. Mm -hmm. uh, and the traditional ideas of them are changing all the time. We possibly all have some Neanderthal DNA in us, although that changes depending on... And physiologically, on what, what uh, constitutes a Neanderthal visage? Well, I think they may be more... Their brows may be slightly pronounced more... Pronounced brow. Pr pronounced kind of... Hairy, dark... Uh... So maybe I kind of imagine them as being uh, gingers. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me imagining. I don't know. I'm not saying that's where gin all gingers came from, and anyone who is ginger definitely is related to Neanderthal. Uh, Dexter, he's uh, like a ginger Neanderthal man. Have you ever watched that show? Yes, he is, Or yeah. Damien Lewis. He has some fairly Neanderthal moments yeah. in Homeland. Uh, but yeah, I like the Neanderthals. I mean, you know, I, I feel like... partly responsible for their demise. I'm like a certainly... monkey man myself. Yeah. I mean, we're both a little bit monkey-like. We, we have similarities. <laughs> but it was, you know, the Neanderthals were in Europe before the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think the BNP are kind of slightly <laughs> Neanderthal-ish. I think it's like that attitude. We go, we were here first, therefore right. we're the best. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they, they were here and then we came along. The Homo sapiens. Mm. Don't, it's not a It's a medical <laughs> And um, we kind of either killed them, yeah. maybe had sex with some of them. Mm -hmm. Thought, uh, a bit weird. <laughs> but, you know. I'm, I'm doing a show about men and what they'll have sex with, and it's everything. So, yeah. like, a Neanderthal is, that would be high. Why were they thinking, er? Uh, because, you see, most of the things they thought, er, uh, I would probably be thinking, oh. <laughs> hairy, I like a hairy woman. <laughs> Love a hairy woman, you know? I uh, do know, yeah. And, um, and it's very much... I was talking to Rob Delaney, very similar to you. The, I don't uh, the mind a moustache, a little downy yeah. moustache. Well, people are hairy, weird mammals. Sure. And when people vilified Julia Roberts for not shaving at the Oscars, yeah. I was in sexy heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting aroused. Every time there was a story about it, I was thinking, oh, oh my goodness. The pretty woman just got prettier. <laughs> It's nice to have because the hair traps a little bit of uh, scent. Yeah, that's well, not maybe, always a bad thing. Maybe even a little bit of food. <laughs> <laughs> so in the armpit, double whammy. You can just have a little nibble. But I, I see you're trying to evade the question. I'm not. Sorry, sorry. No, I'll get back to the question. It's an important uh, emergency question. The important question about which animal I would actually have sexual intercourse with if I had to to we avoid. To avoid the, the humane imprisonment of your children. The humane and safe imprisonment. Living with a Tory MP. Uh, God. Uh, it's quite hard, isn't it? Well, maybe a horse. Yeah. You know, there's a film um, called The Beast. Have you ever seen The Beast? No. Oh, that's a good film. What's the name, uh, film nerds out there in the audience? They'll know. What's the name of the director? Ooh. Of the beast, La Bette. They Come don't on, know. Guys. This is incredible. 
They're usually like Wikipedia. It is, uh, I'm sorry that I can't remember. It's a, maybe a Polish director. Anyway, it's a good film. And Jar actually, Jarvis Cocker likes this film as oh. well. I found out that he uh, enjoys it. And it's the kind of film that they used to show at the Scala a lot back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I think the ICA used to show it. And uh, anyway, it has some very extended scenes of uh, horses mounting each other. Mm. And there's one very moving <laughs> moment where a horse kind of uh, uh, dismounts. And, the, you know, it's very literally animal, obviously, when they're, when they're um, making sweet, sweet horse love. The horse on top sort of bites the mane of the other one. And, uh, I mean, it really is great. So when you're having sex with this horse, are you the postman or are you the letterbox in this... Is, are you enjoying the idea of having a horse biting your hair? Or are you no, thinking, no, no. I'd like to bite, I'd like to fuck a horse and bite its mane? If, it would have to be quite a, sm a Shetland I, pony or something. I'm not thinking it like that because that's not romantic. I no. Would, I, 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 yeah, no, I would, I would be giving the gift rather okay. than receiving the yeah, gift. Either way would count. I mean... I don't think anyone has yet taken... Because uh, in history, there's lots of... Who was the, who was the queen that Catherine was... Catherine the Great, right. well, apocryphally, I think, but she was meant to, have died, right. meant to have died uh, by a, a horse... Having falling. a horse lowered onto her. Well, I'll lower to her, and then I think the, 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 uh, the rope broke. The harness broke. The harness broke, yeah. The nightmare scenario. None of it's true, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I think they were trying to discredit the idea of having a female... Zone. It's a sort of a sexist um, story as well, the idea that uh, a lady just... All she's imagining is a bigger and bigger willy. Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually she just has to get a horse lower down <laughs> onto her. Whereas, actually, it's more truthful to think that a man like you uh, would be going around thinking about just shagging anything that moved. <laughs> There's probably more men that have had sex with horses than there are women who have had sex with a horse. Don't yeah, you think? I think that's definitely true. And now it looks as if I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've unlocked something, and that's what's good about the emergency questions, is you learn something, you don't... Everyone gets slightly right. off-centre off by them. Uh, I'm going to ask you the, this bet. one before I forget. Seek out this is This is the most important question. Google it. If you... Um, you can Google, but you might want... You're going to have to I'm think hard about this. Yeah. Uh, if you had that, you've got I'm to choose between a hand made of ham... One of your <laughs> hands will be made of ham. Yeah, I heard this question yeah. before. No, you haven't heard the whole thing, though. No. I don't know. Um, you could eat a bit of the ham. You could eat it, but it, would, it doesn't grow. It'll grow back, but not immediately. So it's not like a, in a, you know, and a limitless source of food. Right. But it's he's on the internet as he's listening. This Valerian Boracek, I ah, think you pronounce his name. 1975, La Bette. I recommend it. <laughs> if you want to see some horses fucking. Wow. Um, That's the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, yes. Catherine the Great had one of those. A hand made of ham. Of ham. Uh, or a, an armpit that dispenses sun cream of whatever factor you require, but only like enough maybe for your uh, family's needs for a week. It would not be enough to go into a commercial selling of armpit sun cream. Yeah, well, I mean, one of if, the two things. If it's you... our family, it would it would require a lot of sun cream if there was, you know, if there was a if it was a sunny situation. Yeah. Because my wife insists on slavering every uh, exposed part of the children. Yeah, in well, sun that is cream. correct. That is correct, isn't it? It wasn't the case in our day, though. Was no, it, it was at all. Just got I mean, it was a badge of uh, it was a badge of pride to come back and be able to remove an entire <laughs> layer of skin from your arm <laughs> or your face. You know what I mean? Like a mask to strip it off. <laughs> Look at this. I was in Corfu. <laughs> <laughs>
peel your entire face off and, and then eat it. <laughs> Chew it up like Hannibal Lecter. Did you ever get rude? Because I once was um, on holiday with my uh, family when I, was, when I was growing up, actually, and we went to Devon, and I was playing my nephew at Backgammon on the beach, and it was really misty, right? There was just thick mist, couldn't see anything. We got we were separated from everyone else, we couldn't find us. So I just played my nephew at backgammon and was trying to just get money off him for money because he was about 14 and he didn't play backgammon. <laughs> so I thought I'd steal some money off him. Uh, and uh, we just let, you know, I was sort of sitting in the same position, but it, obviously the sun was coming, it was beam, be, beating hot through this mist. Through and I was there for three or four hours mist. and then my whole leg kind of got sunburned, but then it turned like into plastic. Yeah. Like completely... Oh. It was am- I mean, it was Brilliant. just amazing, but I- painful as hell. Yeah. Really terrible, but really good fun. Well, wicked, to- yeah, to exactly. Yeah. That, is that what you're talking about? Love it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Brilliant. So anyway... So anyway, uh, yeah, to ask your question, though... So again, we've got an interesting... You know, I put, caught him off balance, even though I was expecting it. So there's a ham hand. Yeah. You want to know any, if you want to know anything, if you think you may have made up your mind. I think uh, smoked ham, glazed ham, <laughs> any... Can you pick the kind of ham? I think you'd be allowed to pick, but then you wouldn't be allowed to change. It would stay the same kind of ham perpetually mm. from there on in. Okay. I'd like a ham ham. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like ham. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm not fussed. I, you know, I've got uh, what my dad <laughs> and his generation used to unattractively call a touch of the tar brush, um, which <laughs> means that um, my mum's South American. Oh, yes, that's right. So I'm sort of dark-skinned anyway. Yeah. So you don't need... To... Don't really need it. I've got natural tar brush protection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be laughing with the ham. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, to me, protecting myself from the sun is less important than yeah. uh, supplying my face with ham. Yeah. You'd be thinking of drinking, ah, oh, when I was at school, all those kids who laughed at me for having a yeah. Chilean mum or whatever it is. Though. Exactly. Now look at them. Now I've got this yeah. ham hand. In your there face. Was. What are you snacking on? <laughs> Cuticles, you fucking loser. Um, I've, I've got a new emergency question that comes out of last week. So we're gonna, we'll get back on to talking about your career soon. No. Um, when you finished. eat, this comes out of last week's When you eat asparagus, um, does your wee then smell of asparagus? Obviously, yeah, it doesn't. doesn't. No, it doesn't for everyone. Uh, Dave Gorman knows a lot about this. Uh, most people it does. Yeah. A tiny percent of people it doesn't. A tiny percent of people it does, but they don't have the olfactory needs to be able to smell the weed. So they think that their weed doesn't smell, but it's just because their nose doesn't smell that smell. Hmm. But you, you wee and it smells of... Instantly. Yeah. Does... When Coco, you're, when uh, you're, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Cocoa puffs? Yes, yeah, sugar puffs. Sugar puffs. When your wife eats asparagus... <laughs> Does her wee smell of asparagus afterwards? And if you didn't know, would she let you smell her wee to find out? Or would she say you weren't allowed to? This comes out of last week's show. That's a good question. Hmm. Thank you. That is the question I've been waiting, know? waiting for all my life. That's the kind of question that Joe wouldn't have entertained so much. He always, uh, he, he always resented my gravitation to the lavatory <laughs> Conversa- conversationally oh, do we always have to end up talking about the toilet he would say yeah. uh, and to which the answer was yes <laughs> yes we do my theory is that it's the, a great leveller yeah. you know uh, anyway I don't know I hope she would let me smell it but I never yeah. have had the opportunity I was hearing you earlier on um, before the show started talking to the audience about your Dutch oven a revolting Dutch oven yeah. that you had created and uh, how long have you been married? Uh, seven months. 
<laughs> is it really only seven yeah. months? Yeah, I've been together for five years. Though. Sweet baby Jesus. Yeah. That is the dawn of <laughs> your beautiful relationship. Yeah. And so at that difficult early stage, are you not ashamed or worried about what your wife or your beautiful wife will think if you create a, st- a revolting Well, I am. I'm ashamed of, of it, but sometimes I can't help it. Yeah. Like if I'm asleep, for example, then I can't... But is it not an option just to... Because sometimes what I do, because still I, I, I always feel as if, uh, you know, I'm a romantic guy because if, I've, if I know I've got a revolting fart building up, then I'll go out to the lavvy yeah. to do it. Yeah, I but what if you're asleep? You don't wake up. I, when I did one in my sleep that woke us both up. Yeah, I did that. Not, yeah, from, yeah. not from the sound, from yeah. the, the smell. And then once we woke up, it was, all, it was kind of really contained. It was only the, like the very peripheral little tiny whisper had come out. Yeah. That was enough to wake us up. Then when we shifted in, in disgust, that unleashed... That's and right, then, it, then it doesn't shift. That's the, it just, yeah. Then it's like hours later, it's still... It, it hangs there like yeah. marsh gas. And, uh, I like to go... I, you, if I usually do, I will usually go and sleep in another room. But this, on this occasion, <laughs> both the other beds had people in them. And it would, I mean, I think my wife would have been annoyed if I had, yeah. you know, A, just subjected one of her friends to that smell right. more than anything. Because sometimes what happens is, you know, I'll be lying in, in the bed and you've got the duvet in a certain position and... and you think, well, if I let it escape incrementally over a period of time, then that, that, it'll sort of dissipate and it won't be a problem. And then you realise that that's not the case and, yeah. and actually a toxic cloud is built up beneath the, uh, the duvet. And then you think, Jesus, I can't move now because if, if there's any movement from either party then there will be a, uh, a, a billowing, uh, wafting effect that yeah. will take place. The bellows. <laughs> and then the game, the jig will be up. So, yeah, it's very difficult. And so sometimes what I try and do is with my... <laughs> with the tip of my toe, I, I try and open up an exit. <laughs> to allow, to sort of channel the gas out. And then I create, use my leg as a kind of bellows. <laughs> wafting up and down with the uh, duvet to try and allow it to exit safely yeah. away from my wife. Sometimes it works. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it not so much. And sometimes you think, well, they're not in the, you know, she's in the yeah. bathroom, got five And it's not minutes. the end of the world. I mean, you know, obviously she sort of goes, oh, come on, or something like that. You know, I'm sort of chastised or, that's revolting. But you sort of think, uh, it's just one chink, chip away from the, from the, the, the romantic... Uh, Architecture. They don't like it. I mean, if, if you could find a woman who did like it, that <laughs> might be the answer. But it's too late for us both now. If you could find we've, it. We've, we've settled down with someone who doesn't like a it. A hairy woman who liked it. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine. <laughs> with the sort of mane. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and horse-like teeth. <laughs> and I'll just ask you what, I might come back to the emergency questions, but in case I don't, no. have you ever seen a ghost? No, I don't believe in no. ghosts. Has... Everyone I know and love believes in ghosts passionately. Oh, do they? Yeah, my, my uh, close, closest, nearest and dearest, all of them, all my friends seem you, to believe in ghosts. Have your siblings, any of your siblings ever seen a ghost? Uh, no, I don't no. think so. Do they, I'd, I'd, do I'd they love to, in? I'd love to see a ghost. Because, you know, if you saw a ghost, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> you are sorted. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, that cha- it's a game changer. Because life after death, God exists... 
everything is... It doesn't mean God exists if there are ghosts. It Surely. It means the opposite. It means that when you're dead, you sort of float around in the world. There's no oh, God. Oh, really? Well, to me, it, it would mean that uh, if, if that was possible, then anything else was possible. And sure, okay. why not God, you know? Well, anything's possible. It's not, though, is no. it? <laughs> <laughs> there might be ghosts. Some people have seen them. I would love to. Have you? No. No. I don't think they exist. I mean, that is a drag, though, isn't it? But maybe it's because I'm close. You see, this is what my friends tell me. Is, it's like, well, they're not going to show themselves to you because of your closed mind. Yeah. Uh. Fuck off. <laughs> Come on. But, if uh, I was a ghost, I would go after the closed-minded people. Well, exactly. They would, I'd go right for them. Yeah. I'd be shitting them up all over going, I think you're so clever. I mean, I can think of nothing that I'd like more than to see a ghost. I live out in the countryside, and uh, at one point I, I was doing a... And we're right out in the sticks here, so there's just fields around us, and when, when it's uh, dark and it's a moonless night, it is pitch black out there, and all there are are cows in the field, and I used to have to walk across the fields at the end of the night... Um, to get home sometimes if I'd been uh, working over at my studio or whatever. And it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying, but mainly because I was frightened of being trampled by cows, not so much being attacked by ghosts. What if it was a ghost cow, though? You wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't know, would you? <laughs> that would be the ultimate. Because uh, you just walk through and then you walk through the cow. Yeah, and shag it. <laughs> you could do. No mane, though, is it? I mean, you could stick a mane on it. But still, some of those cows, Wow. And just one more peripheral question off of this. Have you ever seen a Bigfoot? No, you, see, no. you, you should be asking Joe this. He's an expert. Has he, seen, he, he, has he loves, seen one? I don't know if he's seen one, but he'd love to. He's obsessed by, by Sasquatch. Is Sasquatch the same as Bigfoot? Or oh, yeah, is... I think it is. I wouldn't have accepted... If you'd said I've seen a Yeti, I would not have accepted. Oh, OK. Yeti is different. I'm not in If you'd started the conversation, I'd say, Shut up. Yeti. I don't want to know about Where's Yeti. Where's the Yeti from? Yeti's from, from uh, you know, the Himalayas and stuff. Ah. The not snow, interested in that. Snow guy. If you could be going, I've got an amazing story about a Yeti that I saw and spent some time with, I'd go, not interested. Do you remember the Sasquatch I'm used in the episode of... Sorry. <laughs> you t- I was just interjecting some no, bollocks into your bollocks. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the... Uh, that's a good medical procedure. <laughs> what we are doing here is interjecting bollocks into this man's bollocks. Um... Do you remember the Six Million Dollar Man with Lee Majors? Yes, yes of course. Of course. And do you remember the Sasquatch episode? Two-parter. I don't remember it. Yeah, man. There was a big fucking Sasquatch. And uh, <laughs> like, it, was, it was obviously a big... Uh, not Richard Keel, I don't think, right. who was the big go-to guy for gi- giantific roles. Yes. Uh, the humanoid he was in. Great film. Um, but it was uh, he was jumping around and at first he was a bit like um, in uh, you know Jaws in the Bond film starts out being a baddie but actually in Moonraker they end up sort of uh, bonding yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <woman>. um, <laughs> but uh, this is, you see this is a terrible tangent this is why you should uh, this is why you should edit your podcast <laughs> no this is, why, whole, this is why you never edit the podcast. the whole six million dollar man. No, this is the shit. best bit. One person out there loves this. Somewhere, They're not in the room, let's face it, but <laughs> somewhere in the world. And that's what I'm aiming for, one person enjoying something. They're more probably than on they life support. But <laughs> almost certainly it's on YouTube. And I remember it, 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 was, it made a big impression on me. And there's, uh, it gets all weird and... 
uh, strange. So, you know, like how sometimes um, your favourite Saturday evening shows would get very, very high concept. Yeah. And there would be a bit of magic realism in there or something and things would go... Like suddenly Mork would turn up on Happy Days or yeah. whatever. And your world would be turned upside down. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right, let's get back to the Adam Buxton questions that no one else gets. Um... <laughs> What, that no one else understands? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about Rolf Harris at the Glastonbury Festival. I would like to hear more about this uh, story that I've only just learned. Have I not today. told you about that? I don't Should... think so, no. Surely I've just told that story a million oh, times. If it, if it, it Maybe I've been know. circumspect about it in the past and now I'm not fussed. But I'm just now more interested in, in TV personalities from the 70s and 80s. I think it, put, it puts, a new, <laughs> puts a new gloss on it, on everything you hear. Because of Lee Majors. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought you railed against that kind of uh, retrospective. All right, let's not do it. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) I I can tell you about him, though. Right. I, I, uh, for what it's worth, always thought he was a bit of a creepy fucker. Right. Um, Obviously, one of of, uh, the world's great artists. (laughs) Uh, No question. And uh, a wonderful musician. Um... But in person, kind of a weird, creepy man. Right. Uh, certainly not casting any aspersions whatsoever in the current climate. <laughs> Happily married and uh, a, a wonderful charitable figure who no one could possibly think ill of. Oh, um, <laughs> but all I know is that he unnecessarily got very, very upset with Joe for saying that he seemed mildly autistic. <laughs> mildly <laughs> Joe didn't say it to his face it, we'd interviewed him on, uh, on, on this um, on this uh, coverage of Glastonbury that we were doing I think in 2000 or something like that and he was one of those people that wandered through the BBC compound and some assistant producer sort of dragged him in front of us and said interview Rolf Harris and so we were like oh, okay here we go and so we asked him to draw something you know which he probably wasn't excited about and he certainly seemed very bored by both of us, fair enough. Um, and then right the way through, he was doing his noises and stuff while he was <laughs> drawing and all this kind of stuff and being, just being sort of weird and a bit weird and chippy with us, you know what I mean? Like, you know, who are you two stupid fuckers? Fair enough, I suppose you could say. But, you know, we didn't warm to him. And so when he went off, the next link we did, uh, Joe sort of said, yeah, Rolf Harris, there you go. He seems sort of mildly autistic, doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately that was going out live and, and Rolf happened to be see, he, he happened to be in front of a monitor elsewhere on the compound yeah that's the problem with TV it does <laughs> go out into the world it's you true, can't just it? stay stuff on it it's not like this podcast you can say what you like on here yeah. no, one, no one will hear people hear it and see it and so he saw that uh, comment being made got very upset because you know autism is a, is a serious thing and he yep. is a uh, a prominent patron of an autism charity and he wrote to the BBC and uh, he wrote to, I think Stuart Murphy who was then head of um, BBC Choice as it was then, BBC Three as it is now and said I want a uh, proper apology for that comment otherwise I'm not going to do any more programmes for the BBC and uh, so Joe is not going to thank me telling me the, <laughs> telling the story 
Joe had to write him a letter and, and you know, like properly apologise. But then when I've told this story in the past, Joe sort of gets quite antsy and says, listen, you said uh, that some band took a load of cocaine live on air, so we got in trouble for that as well. And I'm sure that's possibly true. We were both uh, loose-tongued and stupid. Yes, well, I'm still loose-tongued and stupid. We had to, me and Stu um, did a sketch in which I portrayed Big Daddy, another figure from the 70s and 80s, (laughs) who I understand was a a bouncer at uh, Jimmy Savile's clubs in the North. Wow. Uh, There's a a whole kind of underworld thing of... of, uh, like something basically criminally single... dodgy going on with the, the, the nightclub, something, yeah. you know, the, the money behind them that I was reading about today. But uh, yeah. we did a sketch where I dressed, I don't, I don't even quite remember, I think it was on This Morning, which not Judy, where I was dressed as Big Daddy. And it was quite a celebratory thing, and I was with, you know, in this stupid little leotard with Big Daddy on it, running around uh, and doing the thing of going bouncing off the ropes and bouncing off the ropes, but then the third time getting the person I was going to get. I don't think it was particularly bad, but Big, Big Daddy's widow, Mrs. Crabtree, got wind of what we'd done and we, I, we had to write a letter apologising to her and saying how we were big fans of, of Big Daddy which we, we were and Stu said um, he remembered his gran went to one of the wrestling matches and Big Daddy had Jane giant high haystacks down on the on the tarpaulin and uh, his gran was hitting uh, big uh, giant haystacks with a handbag <laughs> never, that didn't happen he just made that up <laughs> That was like on World of Sport every week. And that was <laughs> like some old woman getting up and it. But we had, we had to we had to apologise. He was, he was proffering that by way of apology. <laughs> yeah. wasn't he? he was just trying to say what big fans we were. So <laughs> he sort of sarcastically. I hope she's. I'm kind of assuming she's dead now, so she won't be now. Now upset. Now we've, I've revealed that we like. We sort of gave a slightly sarcastic. <laughs> Apology, but it was kind of you know. But then we went a bit over the top. It was a bit over the top. Man, it was strange. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone's appreciated the fact that the the, the seventies were a very strange time for uh, light entertainment yeah. and the kind of people that we were entertained by. I mean, I remember my dad coming into the room when we would watch Jim will fix it and just saying, "Look at that loathsome creep." <laughs> And we'd be like, Dad, that's Jimmel, fuck's sake. I just wrote to the guy to ask if I could take a bath in a load of um, Smarties, so will you just ease Rush off? Rush if I could fuck a horse. <laughs> but it turns out that my dad realised. So I was going to talk about your dad, because you work with, your, you use your dad in a lot of your stuff, and it's a great comic effect. Sometimes I, was, I, I saw my sister actually just before coming here and uh, we were talking about our plans for Christmas and she was um, saying that she wasn't sure she could face the traditional barrage of negativity from my dad <laughs> that we're always exposed to every time we get together as a family. And he is, I don't know why exactly, because I mean, there's a lot of uh, lyrical and romantic things about my dad in a way, but he's fucking negative about it. <laughs> And the whole point of getting him involved with the Adam and Joe show when we used to do it was was to try and convert him and to help him understand or appreciate some of the things that we really loved because he was that much older. I mean, he's 87 now, I think. So he was that much older than a lot of my friends' dads. Yeah. And there was really no question of him being into any of the things that we were into. (laughs) So we were trying to kind of convert him. and, And actually... 
we really failed. Uh, but, and you know, he was, pretty, he was pretty down on a lot of the stuff that we were excited about. To the extent that I think a couple of times Channel 4 said, listen, he, he's got nothing good to say about anyone. Can you possibly go back and ask him just to think of one positive thing to say about something? Otherwise, it's going to be very depressing. So uh, I think we went, back, we went back and asked him to be more positive about Supergrass. And uh, he, there was a video with Gaz from Supergrass on a pogo stick. I think it was uh, all the time, na, 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 whatever that song was. Um, and uh, he said, well, I suppose it's, it's uh, when they're on the pogo sticks, it reminds me a little bit of Tigger. <laughs> because they're bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. <laughs> And that was it, at gunpoint, that was all we could... That was the most positive thing we could get out of, out of him, was that Gaz reminded him of Tigger. <laughs> but it's a big set, I and mean, I was thinking, because my dad is, like, unintentionally hilarious, as most dads are, I think. Yeah. My dad is a, a buffoon, and, 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 you know, I'm happy to kind of base characters on him, and I'm happy... And, like, on, at my wedding, as uh, people will know, my, there was mints and lip balm on the, on the tables. <laughs> <laughs> my dad ate the lip balm. <laughs> Thinking it was cheese, right? So he's very, he's very funny. When I, at my at my parents' golden wedding, I do a routine that comes out of my parents' golden wedding. When my grandma's gets covered in glitter, which you can see on What's Love anyway. But at that same thing, my dad got, got up to do a speech about being married to my mum for fifty years, in which he didn't really mention my mum very much at all. And then he got sort of sidetracked very early on. And he said, when David was born, that's my oldest brother, he says, of course, the, we had a private room because I'd been teaching the, 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 the doctor, uh, I'd been teaching his son uh, mathematics as a private, and he gave me this private room. Of course, the son then went on to become a suspect in the Yorkshire Ripper case. <laughs> my dad talked, and then he went on about the story for quite a long... It turned out it was just... When he got older, the, the, he was suspected of being... It turned out he wasn't the Yorkshire Ripper, but he, t- he, was, um, he was questioned. Yeah. But my dad spent about five minutes telling this story. Didn't really say anything about my mum. He talked more about the Yorkshire Ripper in his 50th letter. I would say that's the thing you're not going to expect. So my, he's very good yeah. comedic value, yeah. but I would, I'd be worried about you know, putting him on air in yeah. case... Stuff like that. I mean, you think, you know, my dad thinks, he, he says to me, he's been saying to me years, you know, I should manage you. You know, he should, he right. should, he should manage me. Because uh, he doesn't think my management's doing a good... It would be better if a 75-year-old, 76-year-old ex-headmaster who has, knows nothing about show business yeah. was my manager. Then we would do better. Because I did a gig, and not that many people came. He said, how much do you get paid for doing this? I said, well, they got quite a good deal. They got me like... A thousand pounds for doing the gig, and he said, "Oh dear, that's not on, though, is it? Because the theatre will have lost money as a result of you doing this. <laughs> you should give them some of that money back." <laughs> and I say, "I don't really want you being my manager. That's not that what I want from my manager. Isn't someone with a sense of decency? Okay, that's that's not fair." So he's, you know, he's my dad is similarly amusing as yours is, I think, as well. Uh, does your I'd dad... be worried about putting him out there. Yeah. Does your dad like what you do, though? Well, he sort of, he sort of, yeah, I think he sort of does. I mean, he thinks he's funnier than I am, and he's only, fu- but he's only funny by accident, whereas I 
Um, uh, so, very funny on purpose, but, you know, he is a kind of this kind of massive... I mean, I think, like, most of our families, right? I think most people, families are eccentric yeah, to them, you know. sure. Because we, we get to know them better than anyone else. I just... I, I kind of admire you for taking that chance and putting It was difficult there. because... Um, you know, well, it was Louis uh, Theroux that we went to school with who mm. suggested that we should we should do it in the first place right. because uh, every it was our Christmas Eve uh, routine that we would gather at my house <laughs> in Clapham and Joe and Louis would come over and we'd all get a bit pissed on this uh, kind of sparkling wine that my dad would produce, Lindauer, it's called. And um, then, uh, and my dad loved Louis because, you know, he was sort of from a kind of literary family and, and sort of respectable, you know, Louis was doing well and he was always bound for greatness and me and Joe were just twats, so <laughs> he would sort of ignore us and, uh, and just monologue at Louis, you know, and, and, and me and Joe would sit behind my dad making faces at Louis, <laughs> making kind of blowjob faces and stuff. And then... Uh, but Louis would always chuckle and say, oh, man, you should put your dad on your show. That's the thing to do. So we tried it, but then I thought... Uh, I, found it, I found it painful, you know, because I don't have, like, a very close, touchy-feely relationship with my dad, really. Yeah. It's not what my family's like. And so uh, if you're in a kind of professional situation, things get complicated anyway, no matter who you're working with. And if it's your dad, then it's even more difficult. When we were in Ibiza, I remember we went to... Uh, <laughs> one, one trick that my dad used to do, like during the day we'd hang out and go to the beach and stuff, and uh, Joe busted my dad taking uh, photographs of topless women. <laughs> <laughs> totally unashamedly, you'd sort of sit there and occasionally just go, oh my goodness. <laughs> Get out, get out a big, get out a big fucking SLR and point it. Okay, there you go. Wonderful, wonderful. Look, and his creepy catchphrase was, she's got nice eyes. I say, Dad, she's miles away. What are you talking about? Got lovely, lovely eyes. <laughs> and so my, so Joe would be saying, "Mr. Buxton, that is really not appropriate. Can you not do that?" And then I, that would put me in a weird position because I'd be like, "Joe, man, it's my dad. Don't like he's not total sex, but he is a sex pervert. But don't be, please. Can we?" Uh. And then we'd end up uh, filming. We we went and filmed in a club called Space. In um, is it Spaced? No, that's the show. Space is the club in Ibiza, and. You know, it was a long night and uh, we hadn't really got that much stuff because my dad was so appalled by the whole scene that he, he was just grumpy about it. And again, it was this sort of tirade of, of negativity that we, we had to kind of minimise. And uh, Joe said, go. And there was, there was a guy sort of dancing semi-naked with a tiny little thong on, a very kind of muscly guy, on, uh, all, all greased on a podium kind of thing, grooving around. <laughs> and Joe got him to come over and like start grooving around with my dad and <laughs> wrapping himself around my dad and my dad fucking freaked out <laughs> get off me are you no 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 absolutely not no that's beyond a joke that is not amusing in any way 
And then, uh, <laughs> so I, we ended up in the car park outside space with me <laughs> saying to my dad, listen, dad, you are not being professional. You are being totally unprofessional. And he flipped out, don't you dare call me unprofessional. You know, because suddenly I was his son again rather than his employer. And it was very fraught, the whole yeah. thing. That's why I wouldn't like to have my dad yeah. in my it's, stuff. It's <laughs> Having said that, more, than, more often than not, he was a total trooper and he, you know, and, and uh, he inhaled when it was, <laughs> when it was uh, asked of him. So, yeah. And talking of breasts, and I think that video, I'm very much enjoying the music videos that you put out, which I think some of them come from your TV, your Sky oh, from Show. Oh, Bug, yeah. Um, and, uh, but the, the, uh, the one about uh, the, my amazing, oh, music, amazing music video Which song. your dad's in, right? Is that your dad in yeah, there? Yeah, he pops up in that, and he pops up as well in the um, video we did for Summertime Blues by Guitar Wolf, which oh, yes. Garth directed yes, with me on a beach with uh, dodging explosions. Yes, he, that's awesome as well. That is an awesome thing. Uh, but they are, they're very, I think you kind of want to watch these, that you, they get stuck in your head, the songs always, and you want to watch them loads and loads of times, so they're amazing. But what I wanted to ask you about that was, uh, this is a spoiler, don't listen to this. At the end of the, of the video, yeah. the lady woman in the video takes her top off. Sif Augusts. Yes, and is it the same woman who would write you at the Six Music? That's right, the ice, yeah. the ice queen, yeah, okay. the ice maiden. She takes off, she finally takes her clothes off at the end yeah. and, and reveals that she, instead of breasts, she has penises. Titcocks. Yes. <laughs> but, in real life, did you get to see her actual tits? Uh, no, I ah. was very keen that she shouldn't <laughs> feel more uncomfortable than she needed to. So we put, also for uh, tracking purposes, um, we put big bits of coloured tape. We put some cocks on her. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't I feel uncomfortable? So you taped her up. No, I mean, you know, I don't, I, 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 it's my nightmare to, uh, I mean, I guess I was taking the piss a little bit uh, in that moment of videos that did seem to rely on uh, getting women to take their tops yes. off. It just seems like a lazy fallback position, really, in this day and age, and I can't believe that so many directors still do it. Uh, but, you know, then if you take the piss out of that, you are presented with the uh, reality of doing exactly the same thing, asking a lady to take her top off. Yes. Uh, so, yes, I, I sort of agonised about it and said, listen, you know, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable, and uh, let's put these... Are you OK with these big bits of tape? And is there any way I could actually put them on myself? And, uh, <laughs> Um, and she was very nice about it. And uh, no, I, I wasn't allowed to put no. myself a makeup lady well, did it. Oh, good. <laughs> I am disappointed in you. <laughs> um, and uh, I was going, well, let's talk about Adam and Joe. Yeah. Um, in the 1990s, did you see Leon Herring as your big uh, BBC Two <laughs> rivals? Well, yeah. <laughs> we, we were very jealous of you. Were you? And yeah, I remember. Uh, being really very envious of the fact that you to, to us you seemed like the mainstream <laughs> like the established comedians there was a magazine at the time called Deadpan I think yes. and you were on the cover of that and I remember very clearly uh, the headline uh, there was a picture of you guys sort of walking down the street like a couple of rock stars and it said attack 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 all hail the new heroes of comedy or something like that yeah. and I just thought fuck those bastards. And then next, 
issue Deadpan won't bust. <laughs> it's literally, I think it's the only front cover I've ever been on of anything. No, it lasted, it lasted a few, and I remember, I remember being very impressed by that, and then impressed by the levels of um, ingenuity in your, in your TV show, and I think we, we wanted to do a, a, a thing where we had flash frames of information at the end of the parts of our show, just before the ad break, but then you guys did exactly the same thing very cleverly. And then we, so we agonized for ages like, shit, we're, this is just going to be like a total ripoff of Lee and Herring. Uh, what are we going to do? And I mean, it, it was. But then I think we, we, we talked to a few people and it was one of those things where people just said, oh, don't worry. No one watches. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. I mean, we, we, we very much felt like, shit, we're just we're kind of ripping them off, really. Um, what we wanted to do, which I'm, what, what I wanted to do, but we weren't allowed to do in the end, was to use because um, I wanted it to be so multi-layered that fist of fun yeah. that I wanted these to have CFAX subtitles, which were dead said different things than the actual show. Yeah. I was prepared to go and write like completely different CFAX subtitles in a completely different show. Well, that was the thing, that, <laughs> but they wouldn't let us do it. They said if we could, they would. There was a point where they said, "Well, you can only do it if you have the actual." think as well because it won't be fair on people who are deaf right to, to, it's sort of like a joke on the deaf if you just <laughs> but That's I kind of like the idea but then it would just have been literally the whole screen would have been the real thing and the fight it would have been a bit too confusing probably yes I did a video called signing for the deaf um with sort of mistranslations of of what a, a signing guy was saying and there was quite a few deaf people who were very irritated by it right probably with good reason <laughs> But um, anyway, uh, <laughs> no, we, we we were very jealous, and and but we shared the same, we, we, we shared the same desire to um, you know make it as dense as possible, yeah. you know, like uh, to to cram as much stuff in as we could. Like we always loved the fact that the Simpsons had so many little jokes going on in the background, yeah, and, yeah. And, and tiny little details and stuff. And I think we, we related to that the same way that well, you guys. Well, we just had. Well, so we got. We just brought. We've brought all of our stuff out on DVD. Eventually, it's available from GoFasterStripe.com. Good job. Uh, but we kind of did want to. Just, I mean, there was so. Much, we had way too much stuff. I think that was the problem with Fist of Fun in the end. Actually, that we didn't, yeah. I mean, we couldn't fit it all in. It was all too long. We had to take loads of stuff out of it, and it didn't all fit. Well, into you're your room. own worst enemy in a lot of the time, aren't you? Uh, because it. it, it um, alienates a lot of people I think in the end and we I remember when Trigger Happy TV came out and did very well me and Joe were sort of envious of of his crossover success but and we sort of thought fuck you know he's he's had the guts to just and this is not to damn with faint praise but he's had the guts to do one thing really well he's just done that one thing kind of over and over again in different ways yeah. and that is how you sort of engage with people's imagination and, and, and it gets inside their head and and becomes a kind of popular meme, I suppose. Yeah. Whereas, but, but we never really could have done that, you know. We always wanted to just do uh, as many little complicated, stupid, prattish, <laughs> obscure, <laughs> in-jokey things as we could. So. Oh, well. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't really like what you were doing. Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't really know you were now, did I? <laughs> just think you mess around with toys and stuff. I'm sure right? we bitched about each other yeah, no. uh, to, uh, to our own respect, respect, <laughs> respective partners at the time. I think it's kind of an odd thing, because I I, the thing I actually, we did really bitch about was the 11 o'clock show, which we really hated. Yeah. Why did you hate it? Just because it seemed so rubbish and late. And most of it, and the stuff that people remember was good, which was Ali G and... Uh, which took me a little while to get into, and there was, you know, there, 
it was just Ali G. But, uh, but it just it <laughs> what just about seemed, Ricky Gervais when he started. I didn't on really it. see any of his stuff. I saw I've seen like his chat. Was it a chat show he did first of all? Oh yeah, that which was, that, that wasn't very good. But no. I remember some of the things that he did on the eleven o'clock show were sort of. But good. that was kind of later, wasn't it? That was sort of. Because they were, I think the thing we envied actually was just that the Channel Four got so behind it, the yeah. eleven o'clock show, and B- the BBC really hated us and didn't get behind us, and right. we kind of got taken off the air and then reluctantly renewed. And even now, when we're trying to put the DVD out, they're kind of cutting things out of it. And so it's all, it's all kind of, you know, they just didn't like us. Whereas the eleven o'clock show, just however bad it was, the Channel Four relentlessly put it out again and again and again until until it got good or until bits of it got good. Well, so I, I think we ended that. Really, we had this thing that uh, called the Lame Pranksters that we used to do on our show on uh, like the last series that we did. That was basically the eleven o'clock show of just going out. <laughs> I remember one. There, there was one thing that Daisy Daisy Donovan was yeah. she called went out and and she would. Uh, she had a bit of shit on a microphone, right? And she would sort of thrust it under people's noses, and that was it. It was yeah. like, will, will they talk to her even with a bit of shit on the microphone? It's like, well, yes, because most people are generally nice, <laughs> <laughs> and they want to do, they want to be nice. Yeah. So, ooh, <laughs> what a bunch of twats. Yeah. Well, then the, the, the Channel Four thing did, you know, Balls of Steel, which was then ten times worse than that kind of. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. just horrible things of nice people doing decent things being treated like they were idiots yeah exactly so, yeah. you fucking moron you fell for it yeah and that was mainly about putting shit places as far as I can remember anyway people don't seem to like us having a go at terrible television <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's stop doing that they did, well, I think the thing they were, you did those kind of you did some well, sounds... stunty things like that I suppose that were those in that area the very yeah. funny thing of the 50, eating the free 25% 20% free yeah yeah <laughs> That was good, although we weren't really cut out for it. You know, we were, we were seeing all these things happening on TV elsewhere and thinking, shit, we should do that. That's what people like. Uh, but we weren't really good at it. You know, most of the time, if I was filming it, my hand was shaking so much that a lot of the footage was barely usable. I think there's even one bit where Joe actually steadies the camera and says, easy, man. And uh, I remember being quite annoyed about that. It's like, well, I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm totally cool. I'm really good. Uh, but that was that was a walk in the park compared to this thing called uh, "You Break It, You Pay For It" that we did, oh, where yeah. we um, there was <laughs> someone pointed out to us that some you know shops have signs that say "You Break It, You Pay For It," right? Uh, like if it's a China shop, work. knock something over, you have to pay for it. So we went to this shop in uh, in the Cut in uh, near Waterloo, if mm. you know that, and um, China shop, and so we went in there with hammers. <laughs> And we smashed up as many things as we could. While this uh, lady, like an old lady who was working there behind the counter, quaked with fear and called the police. (laughs) As you fucking would. If two wankers came into your shop with hammers and started smashing things up. And one of the wankers was filming it. We'd okayed it with the, with the manager of the shop, but the nice. lady who was working there didn't know anything about it. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> Poor woman was really upset. And it was horrible. It was a horrific experience. And we knew it was going to be horrible before we did it, but we had, to, we had like six minutes that we had to fill. <laughs> We'd run out of toy movies or whatever. That was the thing. It used to take us so long to do the toy movies that yeah. the rest of the show, we just had to do any old bollocks. <laughs> 
And then, um, so we did it. It was absolutely awful. And the cops turned up. And then, uh, and, and this guy turned up as well. He was a friend of the manager or whatever. And he didn't know what was going on. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Fuck off. Get out. Fuck you. Stop filming. You might fucking smash that camera in your face, you twat. And I was shitting my pants. And then the cops turn up and, and then we had to say, oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, officers. Um, we're doing a, t- uh, we're, 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 we're doing a, a TV show. It's a uh, yeah, com- comedy show for Channel 4. Uh, Adam and Joe show. Really sorry. Um, it's, it's a prank. It's like a prank. For, it's, like, it's like a fun prank. Um, we had to sit there with a the lady for hours and hours and we went and we, we sort of bought everyone drinks afterwards and tried to say apologise, but it was you horrific. Write a, did you write a letter to, to apologise? Actually, we didn't, but we should have done. I mean, probably she, now she could sue, I would think. And, yeah, uh, she could reasonably trauma. sue, yeah, for emotional distress with, with good reason. It was awful. And after that, I just think... Um, and we, I mean, we didn't want to use it, but in the end we literally had to use it because we didn't have enough stuff to go on the show. But I'm ashamed of it, you know, and... Uh, wish that we'd never done it. Oh. <laughs> I think you're story. to blame. I think the 11 o'clock show and the uh, Balls of Steel saw that, thought, let's do a whole series <laughs> of that, just smashing people's stuff they've taken ages making. Yeah. <laughs> and then just chuck some... It is kind of Bullingdon Club, really, isn't it? It's like uh, yeah. David Cameron and uh, Boris Johnson kind of people. They were there. Uh, going into <laughs> restaurant and smashing it up and then just going, there's your fucking money. You but it's, is it different if you film it? <laughs> yeah. That's the question. Well, it's kind of more stupid, because yeah. then you're incriminated within it, whereas at least David Cameron can pretend he had nothing to do with that. No. Because if, like, when Jackass came out, I was sort of, um, you know, reluctantly admiring some of the things that they did that I would never have the balls to do. Yeah. But then a lot of the time, still, I felt it, it, it came down to that thing of, well, just people are being nice and <laughs> you're being twats. <laughs> Indeed, and... Um, uh, I just the uh, song was as fantastic. Quickly, just want to. I mean, it must take you so long to do those in the end. It must have been ridiculous. But the bit, the thing that I was just well, there's 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 um, two things because I was watching a video. We had the same thing. But what I love at the end of the birthday song you did. Oh yeah, which is a very light birthday song. Yeah, it's like I, I wanted to play it when we had the six music show and they didn't have a copy of it anyway, which seemed ridiculous because yeah. it was from the same show. Just at this this quite jolly song, and then at the end you just say, "Why well, can't we live forever?" <laughs> Which I just think, <laughs> I just think it's the funny. It makes me laugh every time. Just like the idea of having a birthday song. Ends with an existential yell. Why can't we live forever? Yeah. Why can't we live forever? <laughs> It was supposed to be like Brian Wilson yeah. crying out in agony at the uh, prospect of his impending mortality. But they're just some, there are things that you can listen to, and a lot of the song was like that. It's like uh, Tim Minchin's song, about um, which I talked to him about, about the uh, song for Phil Doust. Have you heard that where he does no. it? Oh, man, I think I talked to him about it, but it's, uh, it's, about, it's just about a bad review he got from Phil Doust oh, in man. The Guardian, and then he wrote it three years later, and it's just this kind of full-on... Uh, kind of destruction of this journalist, and I'm it makes be, me laugh. I'm going to be a twat and yeah. make a note of that. On okay, my listen, listen out for it. It's fantastic. Too but then, much. one of your songs that you did on the Art Sky Show ends. Why can't life just be all the nice parts? So you kind of yeah. like to end. 
songs. That's right. That was a little bit of a uh, re repeat. No, I, I changed it, I think, for the bug video version okay. that we did. Originally, it ended with me talking about I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Right. And I thought that, that was too uh, niche a right. reference. I wanted it to, you know, really uh, be understood by everyone across the world. Um, <laughs> and because of that, I think it's got the lowest number of views of any <laughs> video I've ever done. <laughs> I like it. I like that. I like the Thanks, philosophy. Man. Counting song. Thanks, man. Mike's Mike Stone. Well, that's a viral smash thanks to, I mean, a modest viral smash. But, but thanks to Syriac, really, because he's, he's got, like, millions of um, fans, and quite rightly so. So more or less everything he does goes viral. We were kind of coasting on his coattails. But, uh, no, it's good. I, I was pleased with that in the end. The end is dark. When I sing it to my daughter sometimes... <laughs> So I genuinely sing it to my daughter, who's four years old, and like when, when I'm, I read her a story, and then she says, uh, I have to sing her a song, and for a long time I would sing The Laughing Gnome by David Bowie. <laughs> and then after a while she got tired of that, and I'd have to start customising it, and uh, say The Laughing Gnome Princess. Um, and then after, after a while she got tired of that, and then I, I was like reaching for anything that I could sing her, and I started singing the counting song to her. And which ends with, how does it end? With me sort of saying, oh yeah, and then suddenly you die. <laughs> um, she said, I don't like that. I don't like that bit, Daddy. Those words aren't very good. I want, next time you sing it, change those words. So yeah, I'm having to customise it when I sing it to her. But if you get onto YouTube or whatever and start looking, you get just trapped for, I mean, A, I kind of have to watch them all back about 10 times because they're so... It just I don't know how you, I don't know how you manage to do this. It's annoying when people have a genuine talent. I think I don't think that's as a comedian. I don't find that is fair. I think you've got to try and work with what you've got, and you can do these amazing videos that are genuinely amazing, uh, and uh, it's, and songs that are really catchy. It's ridiculous. But anyway, an emergency question: uh, If Frankie Boyle is the Mick Jagger of comedy, <laughs> the outspoken voice of disenfranchised youth, dehumanised by the press and feared by parents nationwide. If he is that and Mick Jagger is that. Or Muck Jagger. Muck Jagger. Yeah. And Dave Gorman is Ringo Starr and every man well-known providing entertainment in a variety of guises but still gives the impressions he'd be incredibly polite if he ever met your mother. If Dave Gorman is that and Ringo Starr is that. Then who are you and what attributes do neither you or the person you are like have? <laughs> if. And so I'm not asking who are you like. Right, it's all... I'm asking if... Frankie Boyle is Mick Jagger. Yeah. And Dave Gorman is Ringo Starr, but the Mick Jagger is like that, and the Ringo Starr is like that. Then who are you, and what are you and they like, if that is the case? Quite a hard question. Fucking hell. It's a new emergency question. Well, okay, well, I, 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 I can say then that He's uh, Boyle is not like Mick Jagger. Well, um, so, but if he is like Mick Jagger, <laughs> and if he, no, yeah, that's not no, what you said. It is if it starts. Yeah, if, but you yeah. have to accept that this is the case. Oh, that's the premise. If Frankie Boyle is Mick Jagger and right. Mick Jagger is like that, okay. So he's not Mick Jagger right. or Mick Jagger. He's just a bloke who's like that, and, and Frankie Boyle is like him, yeah. and. Dave Gorman is like Ringo Starr, but he's like a Ringo Starr who's nothing like Ringo Starr. 
Right, then exactly. Then who are you like and why and in what ways are you... What? <laughs> who are you like yeah. if those things are true and what attributes do neither you or the person you like have? I'm just going to go. <laughs> and then I have to write that whatever you say down and then next week that is part of the question as well. <laughs> I, I used. To, I, I think I actually gave this some thought before I even knew about that review. Right. Like, like years ago, I remember thinking about what uh, what comedians like. If comedians were like bands, what bands would they be like? And I remember thinking that you and Stuart would be like the Fall. And so, what would we be like? We'd be. I remember thinking me and Joe would be like Shed Seven. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of Shed Seven would they be? <laughs> No, you would, be, you would be half of Shed 7. I'd be Rick Witter. So you'd be Shed 3 and a half. Yeah. You'd be Rick Witter. I'd be Rick Witter. Joe what, would just be the other Sheds. Okay. And what would... And how would you describe Garden, Rick Witter? Garden Shed. Um, Rick Witter, how would you describe him? If Frankie Boyle is... So now, if Frankie Boyle's Mick Jagger, and Mick Jagger's like that, right? and Dave Gorman's Ringo Starr, and Ringo Starr's like that, you are Rick Witter, but what are you like that's not like Rick Witter? Um, <laughs> a, uh, if you say anything that is like Rick Witter, we'll have to start. If anything you say <laughs> is recognisably something that Rick Witter is like, I don't know him that well, but if any, we will have to start again with a new person. So think very carefully about your next move. I'm ready. Handsome, I'm ready to... dark-skinned, handsome. That yeah. I think it's all right if some of the things are because some of the things that Ringo Starr is like, Dave Gorman is a bit like. Yeah. So I think it's okay. I think it's okay if some of the. Th I'm not saying you're handsome. Yeah. But it's okay if some of the things are you. But I don't think any of them can be things that you'd recognise. A sort of faded facsimile of something good. <laughs> and would you be able to take that person home to meet your mother do you think or would it um, yeah because yeah. You know, who you could introduce to your mother thank who, you who you could introduce to your mother <laughs> although your mother would probably say afterwards who is that man <laughs> okay good Nothing against Rick Witter. He's a very talented man. Well, no, it's not. This isn't. This is the. This is the opposite. Exactly. What you're actually saying is you couldn't. Exactly. Rick Witter, you exactly. couldn't introduce to your mum, and your mum right. wouldn't be able to say anything because she wouldn't have met him. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to write this down. So good. That will come. And Russell Howard will be asked about that, <laughs> and so it will go on. In the end, it'll become like a sort of Norse story. The whole podcast. <laughs> In the end, there'll be so much information to get through in this. I'll, uh, I'll probably have to start before the podcast, i be in the dressing room going, like, I've just got to prep you with the, the long story of, yeah. uh, of what all the comedians are They'll like. i have that... to read the Bible of the show beforehand. And what if I get Frankie Boyle on? Or Mick Jagger or Ringo Sweet Starr? Jesus, the whole thing would implode. <laughs> if you are, I'd have to say, Matt Frankie, if you are Mick Jagger. <laughs> good, well, it's good to have that. And um, I don't know how long we've done. 94. 94. Wow, we're going for the record. Come on then. Uh, <laughs> Shall we press on? Um, 
I've got to get up at 7 a.m. No, I've got to get up at 6 to be on set at 7 Ooh. for Kevin Eldon's show. Uh, oh, I didn't Kevin Eldon's show. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be a caveman tomorrow. See, it's like Kevin Eldon, all the stuff I did with him, and he never asked me to do anything. And then he asked you from the. Yeah, but I've thing. asked him. He's been in. Uh, he's in been stuff in loads. I've, I've created. Yeah, but yeah, 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 I wrote yeah, but, him. But, but, he wasn't even a real person. I could have been a caveman. I could have been a caveman. Yeah, I know, but come on. So how's the new Six Music show going? Yeah, really good. I've listened to. It's just a first. I've just done the first one. Yeah. Um, back on Six Music. Back on Six back Music. Back in the traditional Collins and Herring spot. Everyone, everyone knows Herring. it as that. I know, that. I know. We well, kind of made of people... our own. Then people said, well, let's try and replace one of Collins and Herring with someone else. <laughs> I know which. Should we replace Herring? Yes, everyone, that's what everyone would want. Uh, so it's quite, it's sort of similar what they've done with you. So, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of people said to me, "Why don't you? Why don't you uh, co-host with Rich?" Yeah, look, we talk about we a lot, right? <laughs> and I said, uh, "No." <laughs> he's very, he's a very bitter guy. <laughs> we just end up talking about him and his hang-ups, and I don't want to do that. Uh, no, I. S- <laughs> people are laughing because that's true. Um, <laughs> I just thought it would be... I sort of instinctively felt that it was a stupid idea to do it with someone who was in any way like Joe. Uh, so I was sort of going as far away from that as possible. I thought it would be... You know, I, I had a kind of uh, residually good impression of Edith having heard her and seen her around and thought she was a nice person and thought it would be good to do the show with a, a lady, woman. And... Um, <laughs> So, you know, I mean, I feel a bit of a twat in some ways because it's like uh, going back in that same slot just feels a bit daft, really, because it just sort of begs comparison to the stuff, the, the show as it was with Joe. But it's like, you know, the, the, the show with Joe was sometimes good, but sometimes it was pretty stupid and rubbish <laughs> as well. So if there are moments that are good uh, uh, for the next seven weeks with, uh, with Edith, then that'll be good. I mean, I, the fact is that I just miss doing it so much, you know, and I love doing it so much with Joe, and unfortunately Joe's now so busy that he can't do it. Believe me, when the year we were in that slot, every, people wanted you. I think they would have been happy with one of you, maybe just half of one of you, <laughs> even the lower half of yeah. one of you. Just farting into a microwave. <laughs> They've been very happy. Well, so I'm sure people are very happy. Do you not think of doing? I mean, it's kind of so close this already to being Adam and Eve that you uh, could, if yeah. you, could you have not just the only person I could think of though, if you is Eve Pollard. Eve Pollard. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe I that can't would have think been of amazing. any other Eves. I mean, I mean, apart from Eve from the Bible, but that would be. Yeah, I mean that would that would add a kind of new layer to the joke. Oh, uh, See, it's Adam. Hey, it's us, Adam and Eve. It is actually Eve. I mean, you know, it sounds like a joke thing, but I've actually tracked down Eve. That's right, the first and lady. She's and it's. I mean, really, it should have just got Adam as well. He was there. It was a bit embarrassing. A, uh, sort of cheeky snake instead of Boggins. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, or Trevor Eve. Oh, Trevor Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Comedy gold. Gotta do it. Can you just do one episode? <laughs> Still pay Edith Bowman. 
Maybe she could be there as well, but yeah. then he, but it's you and Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's make it happen. Okay, you're not allowed to talk about shoot shoestring. <laughs> That's, but that has to be part of the rule. Um, oh, they could go for e. I've got some Evas, so it would still Adam and Eva. Right. E- Eva Herzegovina, whatever her name is. Here. Longoria. Bosnia Herzegovina. Longoria. Bra- Braun. Eva Braun. From, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I could probably do good here. Eva Six from the um, 1950s sort of beach films. Why did you write these ideas down? <laughs> She's probably dead. Eva Cassidy, is, she is dead. <laughs> I've also written down, I don't know why. <laughs> I've just seen this. I've written, do it in the nude. <laughs> I guess because Adam and Eve were naked. I guess that's why I wrote that. I don't, I don't remember writing that. But it might, that might be a separate note, to be honest. That, you know, that's not a bad when idea. I get home tonight, ideas for sex with my wife. <laughs> do it in the nude. Reminder, I've got a little dictaphone. <laughs> Ideas, <laughs> darling. I've had an idea. <laughs> Rubbed it down. I thought tonight we yeah. could remove our clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How'd <laughs> you get on? You're a shortish man. I'm guessing no. Uh, oh, maybe uh, that makes it easier because it's nearer. I got a bit. A little bit. I could do a little bit. Uh, well, yeah. I don't want to be too graphic about it, but you know, I've got extending powers. <laughs> I have We've all got those. Extension. Yeah, but extension capabilities. Yeah, sure. It's a fun thing to do if you're a guy. I mean, it's at a certain point, you think, obviously, that would be good. Yeah. So let's try. <laughs> I guess women don't do that, do they? No. Do women have there the same... Some, there are some women here. Do women have the same... I mean, in, you're led to believe in pornographic films that women, some women, just love licking their breasts. Yeah. But that, I don't know if that's really true. Do, do women have the same compulsion to, to reach their breasts as men do with their willies? Well, it's easier to do. I mean, it's not... I'm looking some of the, now for at some, some people, it's easier to do. For, some, for the larger-breasted lady, it's... It's a more of a possibility, I suppose. Sometimes for a yeah, but if smaller you're... breast, I suppose it's like I've got no breasts. Well, I've got a small breast. Really? I like the way I'm holding the microphone to this. I can't, I can't do it. I've got quite large breasts. Yeah. Well, there's. Have you been? You probably haven't been watching I'm a Celebrity, have you? No, or... not really. Well, I saw a little bit last night, but Eric Bristow's got amazing tits. <laughs> He could easily lick those <laughs> if he so wished. It's an yeah. interesting thing. So he's just doing seven weeks of the six music. Will you be back after those seven weeks? Who knows? Is it too early to say? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? You seemed like you're not happy, but I think I, I didn't no, listen, I I listened I mean, to I, some of it and it was good. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, it, it just feels weird. It just feels daft. And I, was kind of, I, I think I sort of wanted to do it and, and agreed to do it at a moment where I was feeling super confident and then when you're faced with the reality of the thing, you just uh, think, oh, God, you know, I, I, I don't want to do a really bad job, you know. And, um, and it's difficult. And because 
suddenly you, you, you're having to get to know someone live on air as well. It's very difficult for Edith as well to come into that position and, you know, both of us reading tweets from a lot of people sort of saying, why are you doing this? You're, you're trampling on the sacred grave of <laughs> our, our uh, favourite this or that. And, you know, so you think, oh dear, you're, you're suddenly aware of all people's opinions and stuff, so it makes you self-conscious. But... Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's an excuse to do some uh, more jingles and write a couple more songs. <laughs> you can do those anyway. You can just do them I and can, put them yeah, out. You could. That's why I'm, this is like a radio show. Yeah. I just put it out myself. But it's nice to be forced to do things, yeah. you know what I mean? And so... Oh, um, so I can force you if you like. <laughs> I can hold your children in a, in a nice... In a nice <laughs> I'll put them in a nice prison. <laughs> and then I'll the release... Nice I'll release... One every time you do something that I consider to be a good enough. A good jingle. <laughs> a good podcast jingle. Yeah. And we could, you could have that as part of the jingle. You could play the jingle and then you could play a tape of the child being released. From, <laughs> <laughs> and sort of running back into your arms, kind of crying, going, why? 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 <laughs> they treated me very well, but why? Why did you do that, Daddy? Why did you do that, Daddy? I was trying to cut, listen, but then you could go, but listen to the jingle. Listen to the jingle. Come on, calm down. I'll sing you the counting song. It'll all be fun. <laughs> so, and did you ever get to fight Tom O. Thompson? He's in, he's in uh, New York now. You offered uh, to fight the director. Tom Thompson, yeah. Yeah, the DG. Uh, no, he looked appalled when I suggested that <laughs> I had a fist fight with him. But um, now, because the director generals of the BBC are all to blame for everything that happened in the 1970s of the BBC, yeah, exactly. if you went and punched him, I don't think there'd be a person in the land who wouldn't applaud you for what you've done. Who is a... the current director general? Is it you? There's no one now. I, can, might, I thought I might give it a go. We did apply, I think, to be the director general. Yeah. We did apply for a few jobs when we were Lee and Herring. We definitely applied for the controller of Radio 1. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, but I think we did apply to be director general. But no, so I, never fought, I never fought Mark Thompson, though, to no. uh, answer your question. Deserves it, I reckon. I think it yeah. Be. I mean, in, pff, the bottom line was that he was very happy to see Six Music closed down and sort of grudgingly allowed it to remain open when there was a <laughs> sufficient weight of public outcry. Uh, so, yeah, I would have, I would have uh, very happily scrapped with him. <laughs> there should be, I think there should be more, you know, that's how things should be settled. In general, it'd have been great if that had been the way it'd been decided. If Mark Thompson could beat you at a fight, yeah, then Six Music would be would actually have ended. Yeah, but exactly. if you beat him, that's right. Yeah. A really pathetic, <laughs> girly fight with a lot of scratching yeah. and slapping. I think we should still do it. Yeah. Let's put let's put Six Music on the line, even though he's nothing to do with. It. Fly me out to New York. The oh, New he's working on the New York Times. That you could do a fight where it's the New York Times versus Six Music. Whoever wins the fight. Their thing survives. Right, and the other one has to you close could down. Say, I mean, the New York Times will close down. It's a newspaper. It's got no, <laughs> got no fucking chance. So, uh, look, we've, I think we've, uh, we've done pretty well. Um, uh, and I've nearly asked you everything I wanted to ask you. Uh, I, we sometimes throw it open to the audience. It's a stupid thing to do because they ask really irritating questions that you don't want to answer. Mm-hmm. Would you like me to throw it open to the audience? Well, it, it depends. If they're happy to do that, yes. Or I mean, you can they... go home anytime you want. It's kind of, you know, that's, so don't feel you have to stay. Can we stand up? I'm, I'm now sort of semi-desperate <laughs> to go to the toilet. So oh, yeah, we... We, can, we can stop. You can go to the toilet. I can just, up. I can do a little, I can talk about how I felt. It's we can end. I mean, we've easily done enough, but let's maybe take, you can, can we in that box. You can go back behind that curtain. <laughs> Um, has anyone got a question for Adam Buxton? There's a man here with a beard. Make it a good one. Got to be as good as my questions. If you could control how vibrous you were, would you make your 
If, I, if you could control how famous you are, would you make, where would you turn the dial of famousness? Would you make yourself astronomically famous? Would you be less famous? Which would you do? If you could, if you could control it and if your kids were in prison while you were <laughs> making the decision. <laughs> I would, uh, I, I'd make myself... It's a good um, question. Yeah, very good question. Well done. That's the best. No, no more extra together. It's not the fucking your, whatever your name is, Let's Square Theatre Podcast, is it? No one knows who you are. So Richard Herring, let's square that. I've let you ask one question. Yeah, he hasn't even fucking answered it yet. You're a useless interviewer. You're doing so well. Suddenly you got cocky because they said, well done. Oh, I've got another one. If you could magic up a cake, what would it be? It's not a good question. The second question was rubbish. <laughs> I, I would dial it down. It would be less famous, even less famous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like... Less because famous than an ordinary member of the public. <laughs> 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 but you are not, because not recognising you would like become invisible yeah. or something. <laughs> because occasionally getting recognised in record shops is ruining my life. <laughs> <laughs> what was your second question? It was such a good question. I was going to say, I fucking love you, Adam. Oh, oh, thanks, man. Let's have a hug outside. Yeah, that's a bit... That's not even a question, is it? It's a statement. <laughs> he loves you, though. That's nice. He fucking, well, he's done well. Has anyone else got a question for Adam Buxton? Before you, remember, the longer we can keep this going, the more uncomfortable he becomes. <laughs> as his black, the pressure on his bladder and the answers might become more interesting. With the best will in the world, they must be desperate to uh, yeah, they must go be. and have a drink. Mary Jane. Can you tell us your favourite Can you tell us your favourite Radiohead anecdote? Okay, this is a new anecdote. Okay. The other day I was at a uh, party and uh, there was a traffic situation there. Tom York was at the party and everyone was trying to park and there was a build-up of cars and there was uh, no one could get by this very narrow lane and it turned out there was an old lady who was too frightened to back her car up because it was dark. So I got out and I helped her back her car right down the lane so everyone could get by. But uh, Tom didn't realise that I was trying to help. <laughs> and I had apparently not left enough passing room where I left this lady's car. And he fucking went mental at me. <laughs> Adam! No one can get by! Fucking hell! <laughs> he was genuinely pissed off. Wow. And I nearly cried. <laughs> A, because I was so humiliated and, and felt such a keen sense of injustice that I was being so chivalrous to help this lady. <laughs> and now I was being shouted at by one of my heroes. Uh, and B, because it was just a generally embarrassing situation. It's embarrassing, that's what happens. And uh, so... Uh, they yeah. say never meet your heroes, but they also say never try and help your heroes out in a parking situation. In a parking situation. situation. <laughs> in an incredibly stressful parking situation. Cool. Very good. I think there's one more question just before. Surely not. Just one more question. I think there's a person over there, humanoid over there. I can't see. The, I think it's a lady. Hello. How are you doing? I'll have to repeat the question. Shout it out, though. Um, you played a superhero on TV. If you had an actual superhero. Ooh, that's like a proper Where, fucking when did question. I play a superhero on it's TV? like fucking Michael Parkinson's in there. You played a superhero on TV, apparently. In you were no that heroic. Sweet Christ, I'd forgotten that even happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
and also in the in your face. Uh, you're a superhero. Yes, sounds like a superhero. Um, if you, what would be your superpower in real life if you could have a superpower? What What do you think? I would be Key Wallow. My superpower would be the ability to lo- locate keys and wallets. Ah. <laughs> very good. Well, thank you very much. I think we'll let you go to the loo. We've, yeah. had, a, we've had a nice long time. Thanks, man. It's gone on ages, isn't it? It's like being in Vietnam or something, isn't it? Under the lights It's as really well. hot. The back of my head is I've touched my hair. And it's like I'm... It's burning. Like, I wish... I'd, I wish I'm glad you chose the sun cream. We can use that now. <laughs> I know oh, you didn't. You chose the hand. Uh, so um, uh, thank you to Adam Buxton. Our next, uh, we've got two weeks and then uh, Russell Howard on the 3rd of December for the final one of these. Uh, there's still a few tickets for the left of that one, so do come along and support this if you can. Uh, do support us. By uh, This is free for you at home, so do buy some of our stuff. But for the moment, will you please give it up for the incredible Adam Buxton. Thanks, Thank you. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. With me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Adam Buxton. The music is by Pest. Thanks to Orange Mark and everyone at the British Comedy Guys. It's only him. There's Aaron. Aaron's there as well. Uh, and Ian Tunes at iTunes. It is produced by Ben Walker. It's a Fuzz and Sky Potato production for the internet. Thank you for listening. How'd you like them, Sky Potatoes? <laughs> I hope you have enjoyed listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Uh, if you have, it's free, isn't it? It's nice. But if you want to give something back, Christmas is coming. You can buy some wonderful gifts for yourselves or those that you love. Fist of Fun Series 2 is now out at www.gofasterstrike.com. Uh, that's the second series. Four discs, loads of extras. Uh, we just had a printing error, so it may take a, a few days to get to you. Uh, but you will get it before Christmas. Uh, you can get What Is Love Anyway there and all my other DVDs. What Is Love Anyway has a, a video, Me 1 versus Me 2 snooker tournament in it. Uh, I am on tour with Talking Cock at Newbury on the 29th and Windsor on the 30th. You can get the details of that and all the rest of the tour in 2013 at com slash talkingcock2, the number two. So uh, do come along and buy those tickets if you like. They're a perfect Christmas, Christmas gift. Who wouldn't want a talking cock ticket in their stocking? Nice talking cock. Uh, and P- producer Ben has produced two other podcasts you can listen to. Pappy's Flat Share Slamdown is now available. All the whole series is out there. Very funny, boys. Uh, and also Do the Right Thing uh, will be starting. Uh, be, the new series will be starting on the 28th of November. That one will be released. That, that first episode stars me. I am in it. I'm very, very funny indeed. And Paul Foot. So why not download that? And that is also free. But don't get, give them anything else. That is for free. Thank you for listening. Uh, have a happy Christmas. If uh, and we'll be back uh, with Russell Howard on December the third. Still, some tickets left. <laughs>